Good evening. That's local Brisbane time, Queensland time. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, hello, uh, wherever you're watching, wherever you are watching. Hope you are well. My name's Steve, and this is Christianity Out Loud. Nearly, nearly forgot that this is authentic if it's nothing else. Um, yeah, thank you for watching. Uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, hitting a few more of the social media sites and things like that. Uh, thank you for following along. Um, I really do appreciate the support. Uh, engage, comment, chat, talk, message. Feel free. Uh, also, keep an eye out for the website. That is christianityoutloud.com.au. You can visit it at the moment. There's not a lot there, but um, it's coming. And that will be the central point for everything. Okay. So, uh, if you're on following along on YouTube or Rumble or Locals, uh, if you hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell, um, you'll get a little uh, notification. There you go. Uh, when a new video is uploaded, uh, trying for once. A week at the moment, trying for recording on Tuesday night, which this is here, trying to upload at some point on Wednesday. Could be morning, could be afternoon, just depends. So the 29th of March here. Moving on to this week's thought. Now, I did say in a couple of the, uh, a couple of my, uh, comments, posts, um, whatever you want to call them, earlier that uh, you know behind these behind these here glasses there are planks in the eye. So I'm not coming at this from a judgmental point of view. Uh, I do believe in the Matthew Sermon on the Mount um, understanding of uh, judgment of people. And you know, we all have struggles. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, admit that there are planks in my eyes. So I'm not likely to be you know, passing condemnation or judgment upon anybody else. I often argue with a colleague, argue, disagree, debate, whatever you want to call it, uh, with a colleague who believes that it is right for us to judge. Others and he then proceeds to list a whole lot of scripture that is the judgment of circumstances or situations or judging between people or judging whether something is true or correct rather than the person. And that's where he and I would disagree. I firmly believe in holding people to a biblical standard, though. That's not judging, that is just me observing words and actions and looking at the Bible, do they match up? If not, we'll do something about it, okay? But it's not me, you know, passing judgment, just to make that abundantly clear. So some scripture. <clears throat> Again, the notes are just up on the laptop there. Side note, go buy the book. It's available there all 
good books are found. Just do a search of that uh, in ye old Google and it will find it. Um, 2 Corinthians 7 to 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. That's a good list. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, we all have weaknesses. We all have areas of temptation. We do. And lead us not into temptation, but there are things that will tempt us. Some of it is sexual. Just get the big juicy one out of the way first. Some of it is. Some of it is gluttonous. Some of it is idolatry. You know, and sexual sin in particular, homosexuality, cops it a fair bit from inside the church. Why is that? It's an easy target because we don't often have to deal with it inside the church. So it's very easy from a distance to cast those stones, shall we say. Uh, not literal stones. That wouldn't be good. My view you know, regarding that has always been this. If you're in an openly homosexual relationship and you're going to stand at the front and preach to me, then I, I mean no offence, but I'm just not going to listen. Okay, now, before you accuse me of all sorts of phobias, I'm holding you to the biblical standard. What's the biblical standard of a relationship, of an intimate relationship? Let's have a look. Okay, that's the standard I'm holding you to. I would do the same if, say, an obese person was standing at the front preaching to me. I'd be going... Okay, well, let's, is this, what's going on here? Like, is, this, is there an issue with gluttony? You know, be open about the struggle. Yeah, if you're struggling with, say, homosexuality, but you're open with your struggle, you believe that your relationship with God is valued above all other relationships, if that is, say, the thorn in your side, and you do value God above all else, all other relations, and you've made the decision that you won't have intimate relationship with uh, a person because of that, then I'll sit in the front row and I will listen to you. And that difference between those two, you know, ideas there. One, I'm in the front row because I get, I get it. I'm with you on the struggle. Okay, not the struggle of homosexuality personally, but I, I get the idea of struggling through things. But we hold God first. But that's the that's the obvious example. You know, how about if I just you know I just have a sweet tooth 
Okay, you might be inclined that way, but is that not gluttony? You know, if, if a church ends its particular activity, be it service or gathering, whatever it might be, or say a sporting event, which does happen here in Australia at times, be it a, a grand final or, or a state of origin or something like that, we'll end it early so we can all then watch that event. Is that not idolising things that we, we shouldn't necessarily be idolising? The point, the point is, what is the point? The point is that all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And I love the word all because you can't misunderstand that. It means all, you, me, everybody else. The last perfect person who walked the earth, I believe they nailed him to the cross. Which brings me to Ryan Houston and John MacArthur, two theologically and denominationally different people. Right. I would also point out that I don't attend a Hillsong church. I don't attend a church that you could describe as, say, charismatic Pentecostal. Okay, uh, nor am I of the Reformed Calvinist theology doctrine. So I don't really have a, 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 a what would you say, a bias either. Okay? I'm not sort of supporting one of these you know, theological denominational ideas. So first to Brian Houston. If you don't know who he is, I'm going to say if you don't know who he was, he still is, he's alive. He was, I believe, I'm going to get the terminology wrong, but he was the head of Hillsong Worldwide. The, the CEO? Don't know. Anyway, he was the top. He was the head of Hillsong Worldwide. And he's had, yeah, been in and out of press, uh, you know, Australian media really doesn't like church or religion here, general statement, but you know, show me a media outlet in Australia who is at least, uh, I was going to say sympathetic, at least unbiased, say. Objective is the word I'm looking for, at least objective towards church, Christianity, organised religion. The list would be... Fairly short, I would say. Uh, probably not a lot of names on it. Um, you know, in and out of the press for income and whatnot. And, you know, I just don't care about any of that. It makes no difference to me. You know, if, if the man... What's the size of Hillsong Church in Sydney? 10,000 people? I mean, people are paid what they're worth, okay? And what they're worth is whatever the organisation deems appropriate. As far as my recollection goes, he never took a big salary from, from Hillsong. He, he earned most of his income from his own book sales and whatnot else. Good for you, I don't care. Whatever. But, so, unfair coverage, okay? But in uh, 2013... He sent inappropriate text messages to a female staff member. 
Now the report, <coughs> excuse me, the report goes that he'd become addicted to sleeping tablets which had altered his behaviour. Okay, the report also goes that he immediately apologised. Um, however, the staff, uh, the staff member resigned um, pretty soon after that. And I can understand that. He did, did the wrong thing. In 2019, he spent 40 minutes in the hotel room of a woman who was not his wife. And again, I think there was sleeping tablets or alcohol involved, something like that. Now, no sexual activity was reported. Okay. But the woman made a complaint regardless. Okay. Two occasions have done the wrong thing. On to John MacArthur. Now, a video surfaced recently. It's over. The video itself, I think, is not recent, but it came to air, came to light recently, where he excommunicated a lady from the pulpit, mind you, he's preaching at the time, for refusing to take her husband back after he had physically abused their children. She was not aware that he had also sexually abused the children. And he said something like, this, this is what the Lord wants. He wants discipline. To be put out of the church, to be publicly shamed, to be put away from fellowship. In this case, it applies to, and then he names her. He told the church that this lady had committed a sin by leaving her husband and she was not apparently showing his congregation was then instructed to treat her as an unbeliever. And despite the knowledge that his church had of her mistreatment at the hands, literally, at the hands of her husband, uh, the church leadership mandated spiritual, spiritual counselling sessions urging her to take her husband back. She apparently needed to quote, suffer for Jesus, end quote. And as the church leadership did nothing, she went to the police who investigated the claims and eventually convicted this man. And the statement from the church reads this. Many of you have interacted with name on a personal level and like those of us on staff who know him, you have great difficulty believing the accusations that have been brought. It ends up being an issue of character, whether or not the name has demonstrated the type of character that fits these accusations or not. We can still strongly say that the accusations do not fit with what we know of name. Well, in 2004, this man in question was convicted multiple counts of sexual and physical abuse of children and is serving 21 years for child molestation, corporal injury to a child and child abuse. Stand up sort of citizen. Now, 
MacArthur is not the only reformed theologian to have this sort of view on domestic abuse. Okay, Vody Borkum, Borchum, Borkum, not sure how you pronounce his surname, but quote, there's a person who's in an abusive marriage that is not biblical grounds for divorce and remarriage. John Piper, if it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season, and she perhaps, sorry, and she endures perhaps being smacked one night, and then she seeks help from the church. Every time I deal with somebody in this, I find the ultimate solution undergoing the church. Now, I have my issues with Brian Houston's behaviour. Okay, I do. So don't take this as a defence of him or Hillsong. I also have my issues doctrinally with Hillsong. I'm not a proponent of the prosperity gospel. I think it's wrong. My opinion, but I think it's wrong. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it stands up. Okay, but back to Houston. Yeah, he shouldn't have done those things. Okay? I have no understanding of adultery. Now, I know what it is. Okay? What I mean is, for me, it's not hard to not cheat on my wife. It's not hard to not cheat on my wife. Maybe that's just me. But from my reading in both of these occasions, Houston was immediately repentant. Not an excuse, no excuse, does not excuse what he did, but he immediately repented. He acknowledged that he had done the wrong thing. And again, to be perfectly clear, I'm not condoning him or his actions. Okay, I have no vested interest. I don't know the man. I'll probably never meet the man. I don't attend Hillsong, I've never read any of Houston's books, I don't know. There's no vested interest there. But this is possibly my greatest frustration with reformed theology and theologians. They have a rigid, hard and fast view of Scripture regardless of the internal contradictions, <coughs> excuse me, that are clear and obvious. Okay? That aside, it seems that the best advice that they can give to a victim of domestic abuse is tough. You need to go and suffer for Jesus. I mean, really? That's that's it. Okay, let's take all of them again. Houston, his behaviour, 
the words by MacArthur, Iper, Borchum, I apologise if I'm pronouncing Borkham, his name wrong, are perfect examples of the wrong type of male behaviour in Scripture. Houston used sex, essentially, as an authority over, over, over women. And MacArthur and Borkham both exercise pharisaical authority over women by holding them to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. I mean, these words by MacArthur and the sentiments echoed by Piper and Borkham, I mean, to me, I read the Gospel of John. To me, when the woman in adultery was dragged before them, they were the ones holding the stones. By the letter of the law, she should have been stoned. By the letter of the law. Go read the Gospel of John, chapter 8 into 9, I think it is, or 7 into 8, 8 into 9, I think. See what happens. So Ephesians, more scripture. More scripture is good. This is Ephesians 5, 22 to 30, with my own musings in between. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and his himself is saved. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Pause. Yes, John MacArthur, John Piper, Brady Borkham, Borchum, Borkham. I'll go Borkham. If I'm wrong, point it out, let me know. Yes, you three gentlemen, and Brian Houston for that matter, except Brian, it wasn't your wife. Just the other three, yeah, wives submit to their husbands. Husband is the head, man is the head. We get it. This is not some pro-modern feminist, you know, soapbox. But when we look at that submission, the idea of submission, it is contextual. What do I mean by that? Keep reading is what I mean by that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ah. Well, that puts a little bit of a different context on it. Wives, submit to your husbands because they're the head. Husbands, feel free to beat your wives because they'll submit to you regardless. Not that. Doesn't say that. Does not say that. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might, long list coming here, sanctify her having cleansed her 
by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, wives submit to your husband's bit. Two, three, three and a bit lines. Three lines and two words, according to how I have it in that word document. The husbands love your wives. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines. So we got double the instruction. You could probably work out why. We got twice as much. So, John MacArthur, John Piper, Bodie Borkin, any other Reformed theologians who are going to hold hard and fast to the letter, not the spirit of the law, there it is. Letter of the law, spirit of the law. Wives will submit to their husbands. Husbands love That's the example. So to this idea of, no, you must stay with the husband because, well, even if he's beating you, find that in Scripture. Let's use some spirit of the law, not letter of the law. Could you make an argument that domestic abuse is a type of sexual immorality? I could probably mount a fairly convincing argument that it is. Well, in that case, guess what? Perfect grounds for separation and divorce. Now, I get the idea of forgiveness. <clears throat> but forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. That is not the same thing. And nowhere in there, particularly in the Lord's Prayer, does it say reconciled. Forgive others their trespasses as you forgive ours. We forgive others as God forgives us. That's the condition there. It's nothing that I can read that says a, a, a wife who has been the victim of domestic abuse must return to the husband and be reconciled. I can't find it for me, please. What do we do with this? What do we do with it? I mean, on a grand scale, okay, I don't hear the Brian Houstons of the world complaining and soapboxing about the John MacArthur's of the world. I don't. I, I, I really don't. And again, I'm not defending Houston here. I'm just saying... He seems to be worried about himself. He's not standing on some grand idea of 
you know, we're all so utterly dreadfully sinful, almost wearing that sinful nature as a badge of honour, like MacArthur, Borkham, Piper in this instance are. So reformed theologians, perhaps, perhaps worry about the planks in your own eye. Rather than pointing the finger at each other, this is my comment or my question today. What's the church got to worry about about being torn down and destroyed? Don't worry about external factors. We'll do it to ourselves. We will do it to ourselves. We will be like the Houstons of the world. We will do something silly because you know we're at the top or we're under the influence of. Or we'll tell some lady, just go back to the husband who's beating you. I mean, either way. Either way, if Jesus were in the room, I wonder. Would he be happy with either of those responses? Rather than pointing the finger at each other, maybe we just need to remember that we all, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And on that positive and uplifting note, until next week, God bless.